Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Jaco Selka, and I am so glad that you are here today. As you may have heard in my previous episodes, I graduated from the University of Georgia in 2019. During my four years at UGA, I was very passionate about issues surrounding food waste and food insecurity. They are very ironic coexisting issues. According to the USDA, the U.S. wastes 30 to 40 percent of our food supply. At the same time, while we are throwing away literally billions of dollars of food, Feeding America estimates that more than 42 million Americans may experience food insecurity. Over the past year, the pandemic has only exacerbated these issues. But thankfully, there are organizations out there like Campus Kitchen and Concrete Jungle who are working to both reduce food waste and combat food insecurity. Today, we are joined by Andy, the program manager at UGA's Campus Kitchen, and Jenny, the program manager at Concrete Jungle. As you will learn throughout the episode, Campus Kitchen is a student-powered hunger relief program, and Concrete Jungle is an organization working to transform overlooked and underutilized fruit trees and land into a year-round food source for food banks, shelters, and people in need. Both Andy and Jenny are doing extremely impactful work that is honestly needed now more than ever. I guarantee that after listening to this episode, you will be so inspired by both of them. I know that I definitely was, and you will surely leave feeling hopeful. Let's get started. Today, I am joined by Andy and Jenny. They are both located in Athens, where I attended the University of Georgia. So I'm excited to reconnect with people from where I went to school for four years. And this is a topic that I was personally very interested in in my college years. So I'm excited to dive into the topics of food waste and food insecurity. Jenny and Andy are both working in really amazing organizations in Athens. So I'm going to hand it over to Andy and Jenny. Go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Sure. Uh, this is Andy and I work for Campus Kitchen as the um, program manager. And I um, attended UGA as a grad student. I graduated in 2018. But prior to that, um, I went to undergrad at Bates College in Maine, where I studied environmental studies. And ever since I can remember, I have loved being outside and also always strangely been interested in compost um, ever since I was like in middle school. So I've had a love of turning food waste into something usable for a long time. Um, and I've worked on several farms um, through my college experience after college and always worked kind of in the realm of food and environmental studies. Um, and then when I went to graduate school, my research was on school gardens, and I studied both um, you know, getting food from school gardens into school 
cafeterias and classrooms, and then also um, school-wide composting systems. Um, so that's a kind of an interest that's just been with me for a long time. And then I started with Campus Kitchen um, about a year ago in uh, March of 2020. Um, so it was kind of a long um, journey, but all very relevant prior work experiences that have led me to this point. Yeah, well, that must have been interesting starting a job right at the height of the pandemic or the start of the pandemic, I guess. <laughs> yes, it was. I started about one month before the pandemic hit and being in the hunger relief realm with Campus Kitchen, it was definitely uh, full steam ahead once the once the pandemic hit. I'm sure. OK, Jenny, what about you? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Jenny. I'm a program manager for Concrete Jungle Athens, which is Concrete Jungle's based of Atlanta. Athens is its first branch. Um, so I'm I'm a recent graduate of the University of Georgia. I started working for Concrete Jungle in May, part time, and came on full time with Concrete Jungle in January. Um, my degrees are in geography and German, and I have a certificate in sustainability and GIS. So I, I did a little bit of everything, I think. I did a lot of exploring in college. Um, I think like you, Jayco, I was an intern in the Office of Sustainability. Um, I used to work for a collaborative neighborhood sustainability program between Athens Land Trust and Athens County Office of Sustainability that provided water and energy efficiency retrofits and low-income housing. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I've, I've also worked for the State Botanical Gardens of Georgia. I, I've had a quite a mix of jobs here and there. I've had, I've been a geospatial analyst for a tech company. I worked for NASA for a little bit. Wow. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of it all, I think. So, um, and so, yeah, like Andy, I, I kind of, you know, I started working with Concrete Jungle during the pandemic. So um, that has certainly been an interesting ride. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to hear more about that. And this episode is a little different than most of the past episodes I've done since you both work for different organizations, but at the same time, you're working toward a similar goal of combating food insecurity and reducing food waste. And you both mentioned the organizations that you work for, but I would love to hear a little bit more about the missions of those organizations. I can start. Um, so Campus Kitchen, a lot like Concrete Jungle, uh, the mission is to both reduce, simultaneously reduce food waste and work towards hunger relief. Um, so we collect food from um, grocery stores and farmers and different gardens around town that would otherwise um, be going to waste. So for example, we collect food from Trader Joe's and Earth Fair that's at or near expiration date or has damaged packaging. Um, and then we also collect food from um, collective harvest that is damaged or cannot be sold for some reason. We collect food from Concrete Jungle. Um, and then we also collect food from um, U Garden, which is where we are based, and that's the student-run farm on the UGA campus. So all the majority of the food grown at U Garden, students are learning how to grow vegetables and fruit, and then um, about 80% of that produce comes to Campus Kitchen. So that food is would not have otherwise been wasted, but um, they're specifically growing the food for us. 
And then we in turn take all that food. Um, at the beginning of the week, we have the bulk, bulk of our collection and then students, it's a student run organization. So we're run by um, primarily UGA students who are our volunteers and shift leaders and interns and they cook the food into nutritious meals, pack it into grocery bags and then organize it so that we deliver um, and then they deliver the food to 50 food insecure families around Athens who are senior led households. Um, and then we also deliver so that each of those people, each of those families gets a prepared meal in a grocery bag every week. And then we also deliver to about eight different nonprofits around Athens um, with the rest of the food that we collect. Concrete Trail's mission is to transform overlooked and underutilized fruit trees and land into a year-round healthy food source for communities in need. And we primarily do that by harvesting excess produce from local farms and fruit trees in the city. So those are the main two uh, sections of our programming are what we call in-town picks or harvest at trees in the city. And then we do direct gleaning from farms that tend to be a little farther out and we call those adventure picks. So that's definitely where the bulk of our produce comes from. Um, so in 2020, 2020 was our first year in Athens. And during that year, we engaged over 375 volunteers to distribute over 21,000 pounds of fresh food, a fresh food that would have otherwise have gone to waste. And we partnered with about 15 individual um, agencies and folks to distribute that food. So we share a lot of partners with Campus Kitchen. So we distribute to a lot of shelters like Project Safe and the Athens Recovery Center. And we also um, collaborate with the neighborhood leaders and to coordinate produce drop-offs that way. Um, and like Andy said, our, our mission is very much the intersection of reducing food waste and um, feeding people and also promoting health outcomes. Our, our mission is very much to um, supplement food pantries with the fresh stuff. Uh, since a lot of food pantries have tend to have a lot of shelf stable or highly processed cans and foods. So our mission is to supply fresh stuff to tag onto that. Andy, as an organization that is associated with the university, what is the connection between the students and the community? And why do you think it's important for students to be involved in the communities? I know a lot of times students go to college and might not ever branch out or go into the actual communities that their colleges are located in. So why do you think it's important for the students to get out and get involved with the community where they're located? Yeah, we so we're a program run through the Office of Service Learning at UGA. So we have a whole branch of UGA that's devoted to community outreach. And there are several different programs that run out of that office. Um, and Campus Kitchen is one of them. And UGA has recently, I'm not sure how recent, but at some point, probably in the past five years, instated an experiential learning requirement, which I think is excellent, um, which requires students to, in order to graduate, they have to get a certain number of hours of community work um, before they graduate. So um, we have many different levels of student involvement. Students can certainly come and just volunteer one time, um, but then they are always welcome to come back more than one time. And then we have our next level is with um, shift leaders who commit to a full semester of work. And then our interns are our highest level of involvement. And I think 
I know for me, I've always been a super hands-on learner um, ever since I was in college. That was my most, I think my most meaningful experience in college. I was working um, in my junior and senior year with a community garden organization in the town where my college was in Maine. And um, that was, I think, made my learning experience really enriched and um, I've always been a kind of learner where if it's just theory, I, I don't, uh, doesn't, it's not as meaningful for me. And I don't necessarily see the point. I say, what's the point of this? Mm -hmm. um, and I want it to be engaged in real people's lives and experiences. Um, and that's exactly what service learning is all about. It's about taking the theory that you're learning in the classroom and then saying the, so what question, why does this matter? Um, what's important here? And so students definitely get that through um, through Campus Kitchen. And I, I think there's, we can probably get more into this in later in the conversation. It's true in a lot of college towns, but it's very, very true in Athens. Um, I think we were at one point in, la in 2017, we were number six in the nation for wealth disparity gap. So the gap between um, the high income folks and low income folks was the widest number six. It's kind of a strange way of saying it, but it's the sixth widest in the nation, mm -hmm. um, like shortly behind New York City and some other large cities. And so um, a lot of students who come to UGA, certainly not all of them, but many of them come from privileged backgrounds and can be pretty sheltered from the real life experience of um, Athenians. And so Campus Kitchen is one way that students can experience um, or get to be a part of a solution to help people who are experiencing food insecurity and see the firsthand experience of those families and what their day-to-day -day life is like. Yeah, I completely agree. My time at UGA where I got to go into the community and actually put what we are learning about in class into practice was definitely the most impactful experiences that I had in college. So I definitely think that the service learning component that UGA now requires is really going to benefit a lot of students after they even graduate, knowing that they've had those experiences in their community. Jenny, I would love to learn more about Concrete Jungle. I think this organization is such a cool idea and it's kind of unique in the way that you're a lot of organizations fight food insecurity from getting food donations from other organizations, but I know a lot of the food that you all give to other organizations comes from existing fruit trees in the community, which is something that I had never really thought about before. So how did the Athens branch of Concrete Jungle get started and what is the process of even identifying fruit trees in your community? What does that process look like? Athens was kind of identified as a good branch for Atlanta um, because in part because of its proximity to farms. There are a lot of farms throughout Athens. There's a lot of support for local food. Um, and there are a lot of fruit trees in the city. There's a lot that can grow in Georgia. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of working for Concrete Jungle is being able to facilitate people's relationships with land and urban agriculture and what can grow here in Georgia. So. It's, a, it's amazing what we found here. I mean, we found everything from persimmons, pomegranates, apples, pears, to some weirder stuff like jujubes, um, flying dragon fruit, and pineapple guava. 
So we harvest a lot of fruit and that's definitely one of my favorite parts of the job is finding those and showing people what can grow here in Georgia. Um, in 2020, we hosted some fruit tree ID walks. So, and those are always really fun to show people what can grow here in Athens. Um, even just in the half mile, probably around where I live in Normaltown, we've probably harvested at least 2000 pounds of produce just in a half mile radius of me. So that's really cool. And I think in that way, Concrete Jungle is hyper, hyper local. Um, this stuff is just coming from a few steps outside my door, which is really cool. Um, there's really so much that can grow here and that's really exciting. Um, the process of learning how to identify fruit trees is, is not always easy. It definitely helps when there's fruit on the tree. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have any fruit tree ID skills when I started working for Concrete Jungle. Once you really start looking for them and really start paying attention to what's around you, uh, I think that you'll find that they're everywhere. So it's definitely a learning curve about looking for those. Um, we have a food map that has, it currently has over 3,700 fruit trees on it that we've, wow. we've built over the course of 11 years. So um, that's, that's right now, that's where all our fruit tree location knowledge lives for Concrete Jungle. So, and we probably have at least 300, if not more of those are trees in Athens. So, and constantly, we're constantly adding more. Are these fruit trees just along the public sidewalks? Are they in people's yards? I feel like normal people, at least who don't have these skills, are not looking for fruit trees or even know that they're there if they're passing by. But I know in my time in Athens, I never noticed any fruit trees. So it's so incredible to hear that there's this many that are just all in Athens. Yeah, some of them certainly are on public land. I will say in Athens, the majority of our harvests have been on private land. So we work a lot with homeowners. Um, the process is as simple as me going up and knocking on their door and asking them if they're gonna eat their fruit. And uh, it's it's really interesting the reactions we get. Some people don't know they even had a fruit tree on their property. Um, some people think it's a nuisance. Some people hate that it attracts wildlife. Some people love it. It's it's really an interesting thing to see how people react. And I think it's a community, Concrete Jungle's building community that way too, by connecting with homeowners and bringing volunteers out to harvest the fruit that would have otherwise have gone to waste. So a lot of the time the trees came with the house and you know, the tree's 50 years old and they've only been living there for five years. So each, each tree has a story, I think, and that's part of the fun. Yeah, it's really such a great idea, I feel like, and it would be really cool to see this idea replicated in cities all over the U.S. For listeners who are not familiar with the Athens area, Andy, I know you just hit on this a little bit, but how would you describe the accessibility to healthy food and the population of people in Athens who are food insecure? I know from my time in Athens, there is a very large issue with food insecurity as well as food deserts. So can you kind of paint a picture for listeners who aren't familiar with the Athens area? Sure. Um, Athens has about 20% uh, of the population is designated as food insecure. And I think the population living below the poverty line is 29%. Uh, just luckily just put together a presentation. So those numbers are at the top of my <laughs> but um, it's definitely um, a 
legacy of slavery and Jim Crow South, the majority of the population who is living in poverty and food insecure is black population, also Latino population. Um, that's not to say that there are people who are living in those situations who are also not black and not Latino, but that's the majority of the population. And so it's definitely a legacy of systemic racism and um, lack of job opportunities for black and um, Latino population due to racism and um, underemployment. So that's definitely a large part of the story, uh, very uncomfortable and part of the story. And there, um, like, like I mentioned earlier, the wealth disparity gap is, is massive. Um, so I've worked in the public schools um, through the school garden programs for um, prior to working for Campus Kitchen and the public schools are a very interesting place because of that wealth disparity. Um, so you have um, the majority of the time the schools experience a lot of um, segregation through the, the classes that the students are put in um, because the white students tend to have more because of mm. their um, economic situation, more access to resources and therefore are put in the um, advanced classes. And then the black population that majority of the time has access to less resources. So it's just like a very compounded, challenging um, generational issue that's been going on in Athens for a very long time. And then compounded with that is the access to transportation um, is a big issue. So getting to the grocery store if you don't have a car um, can take up to an hour if you have to take the bus or if you have to walk. Um, even though we're an urban center, there's also a very rural part of Athens too. So the food insecurity uh, access to food might look different in different parts of Athens because once you leave the town center, you quickly find yourself in a very rural setting, um, which has its own set of issues. Um, so I could clearly talk about that for a very long time. It was a really large part of my master's thesis was describing all of this and talking about it. Um, but those are the main, the main points. I know transportation is a huge issue when it comes to food deserts. And I feel like it's something a lot of privileged people take for granted because when you think about it, if you have to take a bus or even multiple bus routes or you're having to walk, Imagine having to carry all of your groceries and the amount of time and the amount of distance that you either have to walk or take buses. That's a lot of work for just obtaining your food for the week. So that's definitely something for people to think about who might not have to deal with those issues themselves. And I know you mentioned that Campus Kitchen focuses on older adults and senior-led households, which I think is a population that is often forgotten or not spoken about. Can you talk about the issue of food insecurity specifically amongst these senior-led families? Yeah, I think it's, um, especially during COVID, it's like blown out the, of the water, right? With not um, wanting, you know, older populations with COVID are the most vulnerable to COVID um, complications. And so um, that added a whole other layer of access for those folks. So um, prior to COVID and without COVID, if you're a senior-led household, um, you, you might have mobility issues. You might have um, 
which might limit your ability to have access to a car. Um, or you might also have extra health disparities that um, make it so that you have to eat a specialized diet. Um, so all of those issues compound food insecurity. And then, like I said, adding COVID on top of that, not wanting to um, go to the grocery store because of a potential risk for COVID is another layer there as well. Um, and so, and then also seniors in some of the families we serve might find themselves caring for four or five grandchildren at a time, mm -hmm. which then you have to stretch your, um, the income that you have even further to try to feed a larger family. So all of those things together um, make seniors a little bit more vulnerable to food insecurity um, on top of the health issues that they might have as well. So you both, as we mentioned, are working for these two different organizations that both have similar missions. So to connect it all and bring it all together, can you both talk about how your organizations got connected and how you are both working together to combat these two issues? We definitely work together very closely. Um, uh, I think Campus Kitchen was one of the first organizations Concrete Jungle Athens connected with when we first came here. So um, I don't know if I remember exactly how it happened. I think Andy and I maybe had a Zoom call sometime last May, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, a lot has happened since then. Uh, and I, I think we've just kind of slowly grown and learned that we can continue to work together really well. Now we share an intern through the Office of Sustainability. Uh, we share a cold storage space, U-Garden. Um, we're coordinating our food distribution schedules. We're working and kind of working together on collaborating and combining the food that we're harvesting. And since we have a lot of the same partners that we're in agencies that we're donating to, um, and we're also in the process of being becoming to be designated as a food oasis by Georgia Organics. So um, we're, we're working on some coalition building through Georgia Organics and always looking for new ways, I think, that we can work together better um, and serve more people. I've never heard of that term food oasis or that designation. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, I definitely don't think it's anything super set in stone. I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very hopeful for this coalition. Um, my understanding of it is it's, it's almost going to provide a kind of consulting for Concrete Jungle and U-Garden. So it's a, the coalition is consistent. It's going to consist of three partners, which is Concrete Jungle, U-Garden, and Campus Kitchen. And being designated as a food oasis is going to open up some grant opportunities for us, as well as uh, allow us to have some resources from Georgia Organics on how we can work together, um, build that coalition to include more partners, and make equity more a part of our core mission. Oh, just a little short clip is like literally three minutes before we got on this call, Jenny was texting me about 90 pounds of Napa cabbage coming in. So like we're, we're doing that, you know, every day. Um, and then it's been great um, since I'm new, you know, new to this position and Jenny is new to her position and we're each kind of figuring it out as we go along and then we'll get together and share like Jenny was meeting with the neighborhood leaders and she said, Hey, do you want to join in on that? Um, and I think it, it just helps both of us um, so much to work together and be able to um, just share the knowledge that we have. And then that way we can also, I think, um, be, 
be better organizations. I think a lot of times, and especially in Athens, there's so many groups that are doing very similar work, but they don't communicate or they just kind of do their own thing in their own little corner. And then it, it ultimately doesn't help anyone when that happens. And so I'm really grateful um, that Jenny and I have just been able to kind of work alongside each other and then work together um, to make make it just make our missions more successful because that's what it's all about at the end of the day it is to get as much fresh produce out into the community as possible yes i feel like i talk about this on at least every other episode but it's so important for all of these different groups who are all working towards the same goal to come together and this partnership is such a great example of how you all are working together and reaching so many more people because of that. So this is definitely a great example of what we have talked about on so many episodes so far. I'm sure that with COVID-19, the impact on both of your organizations, I'm sure the need for food has grown immensely, but at the same time, both of your organizations rely on volunteers. So I wanted to ask about the impact of COVID-19 and how that has impacted both of your organizations since you both rely so heavily on volunteer work. So we have been obviously majorly affected and we started, when COVID started, UGA um, shut down the campus for students. And and we also, at that time, were based in a senior housing um, facility here in Athens, which is where we used to do all of our cooking, all of our sorting and storage of food. So very quickly, um, we had to leave Talmadge Terrace, which was the name of the senior living facility. And we, um, luckily, I had a relationship with U Garden already, and Campus Kitchen has always received produce from U Garden. So I called up David Burley, who's the faculty kind of advisor for, and he started U Garden. I said, hey, what do you think about could we base our operations at Ute Garden? And he said, sure. Um, like right away, he thought it was an awesome idea. So we quickly moved everything over to Ute Garden. And then in the beginning, um, since we didn't have any students, we still were relying on our, we had AmeriCorps Vista and our student interns could still work remotely. Um, so what we did is we had the Georgia Center at that time, all the cooks at the Georgia Center, um, cooked the meals for our clients from March through the end of the summer, I think is how that happened. Um, and we did a fundraiser um, to pay them. So we um, this allowed the Georgia Center staff to still get paid for their work. And then they were also able to cook meals for all of our clients. And then they also at that point were cooking meals for um, the um, hospital staff as well. Um, so we did that all through the summer. And then we still had, we had volunteers do the delivery driving. It was actually um, not just volunteers, but UGA staff who worked in Office of Service Learning, worked at Garden, did all of our delivery. And then we had um, the AmeriCorps Vista network did our food collection and sorting as well as myself, obviously. So we just kind of all did it all um, from March through August. And then when we've come back to school since this fall, things have been um, almost normal for Campus Kitchen. So the good thing about being based out at U Garden is we're in a three-sided barn. So plenty of airflow, we all wear masks, obviously. And um, 
So that's a very safe work environment. And then we've just reduced the number of people at our cooking shifts. So whereas we would have normally had three shift leaders and six volunteers, we now have three, three shift leaders and two volunteers, so only five people in the kitchen at a time um, so that there's plenty of space to spread out. And then other than that, it's um, the other big change I forgot is we used to go into our clients' homes, chat, you know, get to really know the clients and develop relationships with them. Um, that's, you know, obviously we have to keep them safe. So we now just hand over the food at the door. Um, so we've kind of lost that personal connection um, somewhat, but obviously to in order to keep everyone healthy. That's true. I'm especially, especially since you're working with the older adult community, I didn't think about that, how that would impact the actual relationships with the clients. Yeah. Um, but we do, we have done, um, when everything was on severe lockdown, we were doing weekly phone checkups with all of our clients, um, which a lot of them expressed like how much they appreciated that. We actually called all of the clients and then we asked them if they would like a weekly phone check-in. And then we had a list of about 20 folks who wanted the weekly phone check-in. And so we did that for a long time. And sometimes you'd be on the phone with folks for 45 minutes and <laughs> story, which is really wonderful. Um, but now we've, we've, um, most people, you know, have help that they need now that we've all been in this for a year. Um, mm -hmm. they're a little less isolated than they were, so. And what about you, Jenny? How has Concrete Jungle been impacted by the pandemic? I think we've been very fortunate with Concrete Jungle that uh, for a lot of our programming, we were already outside. You know, it's it's very easy to socially distance and wear a mask. Um, being outside, standing around a tree or spreading out at a farm. Um, we did adopt new safety protocols. We obviously required masks at all events. Um, we require volunteers to sanitize for all events, but the biggest thing that Concrete Jungle did in response to COVID-19, um, in Atlanta, we started a grocery, de grocery delivery program um, for emergency COVID-19 relief. So right now um, we're delivering groceries to around 300 families a week um, in Atlanta. And we've been doing, we're about to come up on the one year anniversary of that. So that's been huge. A lot of time and resources are going to that right now. Um, so the, that that we kind of rallied volunteers together and um, developed grocery delivery program in response to COVID. Well, I'm glad to hear that both of your organizations have been able to keep working and keep helping all of these people since the need is greater than ever. And I imagine that doing the work that you both do can be eye-opening and hard to process at times, just seeing all of the food insecurity, but at the same time, you both and both of your organizations are such a light in the community working to help solve these systemic issues. Is there an experience with a community member or through your work that stands out to you? Uh, I think this happens earlier on as I'd started working for Concrete Jungle. Um, I think this is the first thing that really brought home my work with Concrete Jungle. And like, I, I donate to a lot of people who then distribute the produce. So a lot of the time I don't get all of one and one interaction with individual families who are receiving the produce. But um, we started having a lot of pear harvests uh, around July last year. And we have a Facebook group for Concrete Jungle and um, 
people were constantly joining, but I had someone join and then make a post in our Facebook group about how much they'd appreciated getting some pears for us and getting some fruit from us. And that was really sweet. It was actually someone I knew from a neighbor at an old apartment complex. So um, again, it kind of went back to that hyper-local aspect of Concrete Jungle. Um, she was a neighbor and that really, you know, made the connection for me about, you know, who's getting this produce. So that was, that was a nice, that was a nice moment for me. Yeah, definitely. To see that you were helping the people that who, who live right next door to you. Yeah, similar. Um, I think that the, a, a few different small stories that all kind of tie together, but um, during the pandemic, fresh food has been some of the hardest for people to get who are relying on food pantries because everything has to be shelf stable. And so working with um, Travis, is a, who's a friend that organizes the Covenant, uh, a church food distribution here on the east side near where I live, and then also working with the neighborhood leaders and then um, a uh community member who comes to you garden to pick up um, ever since last summer who all of those folks have said how much the fresh produce is appreciated but one of our um, distribution folks her name is Hallie and she um, befriended one of our AmeriCorps Vistas from Grow It Know It and ever since then we've um, on Fridays when we have extra produce I call up Hallie and she comes and picks it up and she works with about 12 families and she's said, you know, oh, you've got more collard greens this week. Like, awesome. I know my, my families are going to be so excited. And that people kind of come out, um, are more likely to come out and talk to her and chat with her. And when there are collard greens or tomatoes or peaches, um, that's, that's harder to come by. So I think that's been the most um, impactful piece for me is I know that, like, I appreciate fresh produce, but just knowing that that is true and people, because um, I think that can be a pretty common misconception sometimes is, oh, people won't know what to do with this or they won't, people don't know how to cook vegetables. And it's like, no, everyone knows how to cook vegetables. Everyone knows that you need fresh produce to have a healthy diet. It's just that it's less accessible for people. Um, and so when it's made available for everyone, um, that's that's a good thing and people appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just have to put ourselves in their shoes. And I feel like most people would prefer to have fresh produce rather than canned vegetables or canned fruit. So that's really great to hear that you're able to get this fresh fruit and vegetables out into the community. For listeners who are interested in finding out more information about Campus Kitchen and Concrete Jungle, where can they follow along or uh, visit a website online? Um, so we have a website, um, ckuga.org, and then we are also on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so we're Campus Kitchen at UGA um, for both of those. Concrete Jungle's website is concrete-jungle.org. You can also join our newsletter via the website. Um, we also have a Facebook group called Concrete Jungle Athens, and we're on Instagram at Concrete Jungle Ath. Great. I'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes. And before I let you both go, I wanted to ask what you both are hopeful about. 
Hope was something that I always found was very present in all of the different people and groups that I got to work with at UGA, including the two groups that you both are in. So what are you both hopeful about? I think I'm hopeful to see where 2021 takes us. Um, I think it was really inspiring to see how Athens adapted to COVID-19. Um, I think there was a lot of collaboration that made so much resilience possible. Um, looking at programs like Athens Eats Together, um, the impact and how quickly that was able to happen. And um, I think for Concrete Jungle, uh, I'm looking forward to expanding our impact. Uh, I think our first year in Athens last year was, we grew really rapidly in a way that I think like we really didn't anticipate. Um, we were able to distribute 21,000 pounds of food, which was huge for us. And so I'm looking forward to um, expanding that in 2021. I'm looking forward to partnering with more farmers, meeting more homeowners, meeting more volunteers, um, getting more produce into the community. Uh, so I think there's a lot to look forward to in 2021. Looking forward to getting vaccinated too. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think that the teamwork has really been inspiring. And Jenny and I are both a part of this group called Abundance Athens that's run through Envision Athens. Um, and that's a group that was around before COVID, but since COVID has kind of rallied around the hunger relief efforts on a broad scale. And there's been you know, incredible work that's been done to um, on a really large scale through the Athens Eats Together project. And that's been really inspiring to see. But on a smaller story, I, it's really those personal relationships. And I had this funny thing happen to me this week, um, which is not uncommon for Athens, but it's kind of uncommon during COVID. And that Jenny and I had met with the neighborhood leaders and then Jenny called up some of the neighborhood leaders to come pick up collard greens that she and some other folks harvested at the Hort Farm. And they're picking them up at U Garden. And um, the neighborhood leaders came and those are both people who I knew. And then another woman showed up and she had been called by another um, person with the neighborhood leaders. And, and I was looking at her and she had on a winter hat and a mask. And so, you know, during COVID when they have the winter hat and the mask, it's like hard to see them. But I was like, I know this lady. She goes, do you recognize me? I said, Beverly. And then she was a woman who I had worked with two, two summers ago. So two and a half years ago through the school garden teacher training program that I used to be a part of. And she was a teacher in Barrow County who was in charge of her school garden. And now she was running a uh, hunger relief food pantry at her church. And she came to pick up collard greens um, for her church. And it was just like such a wonderful full circle story of just so many great people out there doing the good work that needs to be done. And that when you're feeling tired or burnt out, then you see this other person who you recognize and who's also out there doing this kind of work. Um, it's really gives you some energy and makes you feel like, you know, you know that you're not alone, but sometimes you can feel like you're like the only one doing it. And then when you see a an old friend, um, that was just really, really wonderful and gives me hope when that those kind of things happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for sharing that. And now more than ever, I am so appreciative of the work that you both are doing with your organizations. So thank you for taking the time to share your missions and everything that you're doing in the community of Athens with all of the listeners. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.